0: Gratitude, that's my everyday, attitude, gratitude.
1: gratitude. All right, what's up everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Quantum Coffee. Your guest today is Sarah Howitt. Sarah is a really good friend of mine. Uh, I've got to know her over the last couple of years and we've done a few... Plant medicine retreats, uh, ceremonies together. Uh, we went and did peyote in Colorado. We've done some mushroom ceremonies together. Uh, a lot of other deep healing work, and she's just become a really close friend of mine. Um, the conversation we have is really beautiful. Uh, just her energy and uh, her just she's her beauty. It's really really incredible. Um, If you are listening to this, uh, we do, I'm trying to learn how to record them live and video and put them on my YouTube channel. So if that's something you're interested in, go check it out. Um, This conversation is great. We talk about, uh, we both grew up in a Christian household. We talk about our Christian upbringing, um, how that's affected our relationship with our parents. I know that's uh, an experience a lot of people go through on this path of awakening and questioning and figuring out what this reality really means, which is really what this podcast is all about. And I apologize. I got baby Luca here in my arms with some hiccups. Um, Wow, he is so beautiful. I love it. Um, If you enjoy this podcast, it would go a long way in helping support me in my mission of sharing this positive message of love, light, curiosity, compassion, and just these amazing stories with these amazing souls. Uh, So if you do feel called, if this podcast does have an impact on you in any sort of way, please share it with anybody else you think it might have an impact on. Please review it, rate it. That goes a long way in helping grow the podcast. Also, I'd love if you put in the comments or in a review anybody that you would like to hear me talk and have a conversation with on this podcast. I think it's really cool, really unique. Um, this podcast, we just really discuss the unanswerable questions of the universe and our own spiritual journeys and, and journey of transformation and awakening, and how we can really shift the collective narrative—all things that are, I think are really they lo- the things I love talking about. I hope they're things that you love listening to. And for those of you that have continued to support this podcast, huge thank you! I have a new premium feed coming out through Supercast. If it's something, if you really like this podcast or you want to support me uh, on a on a deeper level, um, I'm putting together a premium feed. It is seven dollars a month. I think there's a discount for yearly membership. But you will receive a lot of premium content that nobody else has access to. Plus, if you just feel like supporting this podcast, it goes a long way. It's not free to, you know, the team that edits this and helps me put it together. Um, you know, just helping support this podcast financially, I would just and be deeply grateful uh, to anybody that wants to support this podcast in this way. Um, but like I said, simply leaving re- a review, sharing it with your friends goes a long way. As well, the momentum is building. Also, really excited about what we're doing over at the Heart Collective, which is a community built exclusively for former male professional athletes um, to provide support and community, camaraderie, and brotherhood after the game is over. The momentum is building there and really excited about the new content strategy we have. We are offering master classes. We just had our first master class last month uh, with a good friend, Kyle Dow, and we have a really amazing guest host next month in May uh, with Laura Dawn. I think it's May 11th. I don't know when this podcast goes live, but she's going to be talking about creating a visionary practice and the proper way to microdose um, and the use of psychedelics and other modalities to help create a vision and be of service in a big way. If that's something you're interested in, go check out theheartcollective.com, H-A-R-T, theheartcollective.com. Put your email in Stay up to date with all the amazing content that we're offering now, not just for athletes, but for non-athletes as well. And would love to hear any feedback you have on that or anybody you'd like to hear us have on to share. Also, in the process of creating a bunch of courses and a library of courses that are going to be available to everybody. So don't miss out. Go to theheartcollective.com. That's in the show notes. Um, and put your email in so you can stay up to date with everything that we're working on. Also, one more shout out to my beautiful wife, Sarah. She is launching her new tech platform called growmotely.com. It is a fully remote job platform for anybody, employers, employees alike, really just matching up people that fit in each other's culture and really, you know, creating a life of freedom and being able to work from home. You know, if there's anything that COVID taught us, is that the, the world is radically shifting. And I'm really proud of my wife for launching this, um, this platform. And I think it's really going to be huge. It's beautiful. The branding, just the ease. Um, I know I'm on there. I'm actually looking for a new role. And I'm using her platform to fill that role for my company. And so if you're a company, small to medium-sized business, looking for remote talent from all over the world, go check it out. GrowMotely.com. And without further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation with the one and only beautiful Sarah Howitt, enjoy. Sarah Howitt, how Hi. you doing?
2: I'm amazing. How are you?
1: I'm so good. I really appreciate you coming over and doing this live. This is the first time I'm doing a live video. Or if you're watching on YouTube, go check it out. You can actually see this beautiful woman. It's beautiful space. That's really messy right now. Um, a lot going on in my life, but I'm super stoked to drop in with you. Um, maybe share a little bit about who you are and how you've come to be in this moment. I know that's a lot.
2: I was gonna say that. <laughs> Where do we start,
1: right? I guess just put some context in. Maybe share a little bit about who you are, and then we can kind of dive more specifically into your journey of transformation. Maybe some of your spiritual path and and how you've gotten to this, but you know, maybe what's kind of gotten you here?
2: So I'm Sarah Howitt, and I am a coach and mentor, and also an oracle reader, which is a new experience for me and something that I am learning how to embrace more openly.
1: Talk a little bit about the oracle reading.
2: So I, last year, actually before 2020, if you would have asked me if I believed in tarot oracle, Anything like that, I would have said absolutely not. And that I, I thought that it was all based around you know you you see or you believe what you want to believe, and so mm. it's like this confirmation bias that's being fed to you through these cards. And then last year, I started playing with them more, um, not only for myself but for others. And I had this interesting experience at a retreat where we had dropped into some medicine over a couple of days. And on the third day, I'm totally sober, was pulling cards for people. And I could actually feel through my crown chakra, I could feel the energy of the intention. I could feel intention that the person was setting. And then I could feel with that intention, when to stop shuffling and when to draw. Mm. And it was totally bizarre. And I didn't almost didn't believe it. And it was interesting to see the power that came through the stronger that I felt that energy through my crown chakra, the more powerful the reading was. And so that really opened a door for me. And then later last year, I started pulling for people and really just trying to tap into my heart and listen, which is currently my intention (laughs) um, for this part of my journey. And there's a lot more to the story, but essentially learning how to use my voice to speak truth and to, um, you know, I've always been really fascinated by puzzles. I've always loved puzzles, not just like jigsaw puzzles, which I enjoy as well, but solving puzzles and putting pieces together. And I think of Oracle reading just like that, that we pull these cards and then really our only job is to see the pattern within them and to listen for what the truth of the message is.
1: Mm, yeah. That's beautiful. It's, it's, it's being able to get out of our own way and trust the intuitive parts of us that is connected to something greater. And I, I had a similar journey with the, with the tarot cards because me and Sarah really, uh, Sarah, uh, my wife, really enjoy just like pulling cards um, every now and then. When quarantine first happened, we would kind of make it a little ritual every morning. And uh, same with me. A couple years ago, I would have looked at you crazy, a lot of resistance to it. Um, Even like intuitive people that read and talk to, you know, different spirit guides and stuff like that. And I think there is a lot of levels to that. Some people are way more connected and some people are kind of pushing a little bit. Um, But really opened my mind with the tarot cards is it doesn't really like if I'm reading one myself, like what that card says in the little book that you read. It's really just an, an opportunity for whatever comes through to you while you're reading that is the message right? It's like, the, it's an opportunity to connect with the psyche. It's like, oh, this means this to me. And there, there's a lot of truth in that. It's not necessarily that the card is saying something because I could pull the same card in two weeks later, it something different come up within my own psyche. And that's the message, right? So it's Absolutely. an opportunity to really connect with that unconscious part of of who we are. That's, that's working through us.
2: Absolutely. And I'm such a, logically minded person. I actually have set up a structure for myself with the readings that proves to me over and over again, that there's something to this. So I always start by setting an altar for the person. Then before I even touch the cards, I do a meditation and I allow whatever comes through in my mind's eye, whatever story plays out to just go where it wants to go. And I will find myself sometimes, I always use the example if there's like a woman and she grew these wings and she's soaring, you know, above the clouds and then her wings are shot off. You know, my ego might say, "Oh, but no, like I I want her to have those wings." And I've really learned how to just let it go and stay within that heart space of whatever needs to be spoken and listen again. And then once I've done the meditation, I pull the cards and I read the messages and what's so interesting, you know, if if those two were flipped I pulled the cards first and then did the meditation, it would be really easy for my ego to say, well, of course you saw this vision because the card said this, mm. but when it's the other way around, then when I pull the cards and they confirm what I already saw, it tells me that there's something to whatever that is.
1: Yeah. And it's funny how we just keep seeking proof for these, mm-hmm. these kind of transcendent experiences. Um, Because it's it is it turns into a knowing right, and it's like how much we just want to like believe. Because the collective narrative really it doesn't have a lot of space for this kind of metaphysical spiritual realm. But the more you go down this path, you realize, you know, we're not humans who have spiritual experiences, but we're spirits who are having a human experience. So I'd love to kind of go back. You said a couple years ago. I know this hasn't always been your life, and I'd love to kind of dive into you know, where you were at a few years ago and maybe a little bit about how that trans transformation kind of happened, whether you call it a spiritual awakening or whatever, just this opening to your intuition and trusting that something greater. And we can dive into what all that is afterwards, but kind of get some context of that journey and where you're at.
2: I was raised in a very conservative Christian home. And so I always had an understanding that there was this thing, this person called God and that he was male. And I always, I was always getting in trouble in school. I went to a private school along with church, you know, multiple times a week. And I was always getting in trouble because I, I could see, and this goes back to the puzzling, right? Putting puzzles together. I could see the error of logic in what was being taught. Mm. And I remember asking my teacher, I must've been 12 or 13 Okay, so if God is all powerful and He can do anything, why couldn't God also present Himself as Buddha? And I got in trouble for that. <laughs> that wasn't
1: Fascinating <laughs> how you get in trouble for questioning.
2: Yeah, and because there was no answer.
1: Mm, there uh, is no answer right? other
2: than well, because the Bible doesn't say that, so therefore it's not true.
1: Mm. But so much of the Bible is so misinterpreted anyway. Absolutely, which I think it's fascinating.
2: And um, I was actually told recently somebody said. You were born awake, and I, I really do feel that that's true. I feel that I've known since I was very young that this thing called God was way, way, way bigger. The word "way" doesn't even—it's incomprehensible. Uh, yeah, it's ineffable.
1: Just, I think is a good word.
2: Ineffable—that's uh, that, a word that's come up quite a bit. Lately. Yeah. <laughs> and it is totally ineffable. Ineffable. So, where the journey really kicked off for me, I would say, was in 2017 when I tried mushrooms for the first time. Mm. And being raised in a conservative Christian home, drugs were bad. Anything called drugs was bad. And the first time I did mushrooms, it was not presented to me as a ceremony, but it was very ceremonial the way that it was set up with the people we were with and all of that. And I suddenly had this key that I could use to unlock these parts of me that I knew were there, but didn't know how to harness. And that really kicked off something for me. It it put me on this path of seeking and, you know, seeking ayahuasca. And then I found Aubrey Marcus and Fit for Service. And then, of course, 2020, when I joined Fit for Service, that was really when all this magic was unlocked. And when I was really then free to play and to explore without this kind of societal um, shooting. mm and telling me what I should and should not believe, or what is the devil and what is God, and really trying to work through that within my own self.
1: Mm, yeah, totally. It's it's the it letting go of the expectations, the programming, the the conditioning that our society and our culture through the religious upbringings, the our parents, our peers of of what happiness looks like, what success looks like. But there's so many parts of us that we just don't feel safe to explore to share with others. And I think one of the most powerful things is, and, and what can really heal the world is the power of presence, right? And being in the presence of others who can truly hold the space and see you and love you for who you are is just such a profound impact on my life. I know on your life, um, talk a little bit about the path of, of seeking, you know, you said you, you did, uh, did the mushrooms for the first time and that kind of started you on your on your path because obviously growing up in a christian household i was the very same way and we can dive into that a little bit as well but i've always had this this desire to know god for myself and the christian upbringing i had so many questions that just were left unanswered and it just i had a lot of resistance to the word god to the bible to jesus and you know when i first left football i had a big question of who am i who am i without this thing that defined me for so long? And when that question came up, I went on a journey to really find myself. And on that journey, I was able to find God through my experience in a lot of different ways. Um, and, you know, I just always had this deep kind of seed of seeking truth through my own experience. And I'm so grateful that, for that because, you know, you kind of have to go on the path to, to to find it and connect with God through your own experience. So talk a little bit about your path of that, that awakening to seek and know God and truth and, you know, finding yourself and kind of where it's gotten you and how that's evolved and unfolded. And what were some of the big, you know, lessons and realizations through that journey?
2: My mind wants to, to go so many places with that, but I will start with when I did first try mushrooms and then that carried me to try, you know, DMT and then ayahuasca what is experienced in those spaces is not just, a, it's not just a realization. It is a felt knowing that what you experienced is true and real. And that doesn't necessarily mean that if ayahuasca tells you to divorce your partner and move to Tibet and become a monk, that that's exactly what you need to do. But there is truth in what is shown to you. And it's discernment that allows us to realize the path that we need to take to fulfill that duty or call or whatever. Over the past year, it's really been this idea of belonging. That was my word of the year for 2020. That has allowed me to seek and find that divine God inside of me. And it's, it's really through the eyes. It, it's the simultaneous exchange where you're seeing yourself, you're seeing yourself in others, and then you're being experienced by others as well. And so it's this kind of symbiotic back and forth and mirroring of each other that really allows, I think that magic to be unlocked and allows it to thrive.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. Let's talk about psychedelics because you're, 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 you know, and it's been a big part of my journey of healing. Being able to not only release a lot of pent up energy in my somatic body, which you know, a lot of you know, trauma, traumatic experiences are just, you know, and when we talk about trauma too, it doesn't need to be like you know, sexual abuse when you're younger. Just something as simple as like, not not feeling supported or loved in the right kind of way when you're younger and you carry that within your body. And I think, you know, a lot like when I did ayahuasca, um, you know, just the physical purging of energy was so powerful to let go of a lot of that stuff. And they say it's like 10 years of therapy in one night, which definitely seems that way. Um, but talk about your journey with psychedelics, the importance that they have. And then and I'd love to discuss a little bit about if they're, if they're necessary with, cause I've been thinking about this concept a lot is, you know, is, is, the work and bringing psychedelics into the collective necessary to kind of help where we're at as a world and as a humanity. And I've gone back and forth on that. It's like, Oh, it's, you know, it's not needed, but it's, I'm almost leaning towards it has to be a huge part of what we got going on because we are so conditioned in the stories of the reality that we've created. We're so lost in them. Most people are so lost in them. And there's a lot of fear to experience psychedelics, right? Because there is an act of surrender that you're not in control. And, you know, people talk about ego deaths and you go through an experience where you realize that, that the ego is just a construct and a story of who you are, which has been developed through the experience of this life. But there is something that is, that is deeper. There is something more to you than just the story of who you think you are. And I think it's fascinating, even if you haven't done psychedelics and don't really understand what I'm talking about. Think about every time you've transitioned in life to, you know, go from, uh, when you're a young child to a teenager to, you know, your group of, your circle of friends has changed. Maybe you change cities, maybe you change jobs. How many different lifetimes have you really lived just in this lifetime? And how many times have you changed the story of who you are? How many times have you grown? And so when you think about it like that, the, the story of who we are is very malleable. And when you have these psychedelic experiences, these transcendent experiences where you kind of, you know, actually wash away all those stories and get to something that's a lot deeper, and more profound, and more real. That's connected to everything. It really changes your whole viewpoint and perspective on life. And I think it's really beautiful that there's a lot of, you know, studies coming out and trying to do it in the right way. The clinical studies and, and the therapeutic uses of psychedelics and MDMA therapy, which really I think can have a profound impact, long-term effect on the mental health that's going on the, the problem. So, talk about your experience with psychedelics. I know you've kind of experienced a lot of them, um, and then kind of how you know, maybe if someone's interested in them, if the, the fear of them, kind of just dive into it.
2: A couple things that I I want to speak to there. When you mentioned trauma at the very beginning, I just had a realization maybe a month ago that I, I had this moment when I was in junior high school, probably eighth grade, where I went up to audition for a, a musical. And for whatever reason it didn't occur to me that I would have to sing in front of people as a part of this musical but I went up for it anyways. And when I got on stage and everybody that was also trying out was in the audience, I just I lost my power. I was so I felt afraid to be seen, afraid to be looked at. And when I went to sing, I I couldn't. But I knew that I had a good voice. I knew I could sing, but there was there wasn't this power that was really able to get that out because I was afraid.
0: Mm.
2: I have never sang in front of anyone because of that. Wow! And I am just now at 35, breaking that open where I feel comfortable singing in front of people. And even so I have to close my eyes or turn away. So when I hear people talk about trauma, it does not have to be something big and horrendous. It can be something as innocent as that. And just to not, you know, discredit or to Push away those things that you might feel are small or insignificant because they're not. They've, they're very valid. They've blocked. Oftentimes, they block who we truly are. Mm. In terms of psychedelics and ten years of therapy, I have been in some form of counseling from about thirteen or fourteen to about about two years ago now. And I was in therapy with multiple different therapists for that entire time on and off. And the amount of growth that I have seen in the last year, not just because of psychedelics, that's been a big part of it, but because of tribe and community has trumped and basically done the work of literally a couple decades mm. worth of healing. And it's been, I mean, I, I cannot speak to the power of community enough.
1: Mm. Yeah. The power of being, being seen and heard. Like it allows us to remove the masks of that. We start putting on as we have these kind of experiences that tell us we're not good enough, that we played small, that we're unlovable, unworthy. We put these masks on to, to to show up in the way that we think the world wants to receive us. And when we're around other people that um, are doing their own work and being able to not have judgment for others, but to be able to hold space for you to really show up as yourself, it's, it's, it's challenging at first because you don't know if you can, can I trust these people? And then you start building that trust and you start showing up for who you are. It's just so liberating. And then it allows you to see and hear other people's without other people without judgment. And I truly believe that's kind of the ripples that we're seeing on how we really heal the world is if, if we're not judging another, cause we can only judge another and it's because we're judging ourselves. And all shame really is, is the fear of being judged. So we don't, talk about stuff out of shame. We hold it in, which becomes part of our shadow because we're judging that within ourselves. And if we see that in somebody else, we usually judge them. We start showing up and doing that work to release that through the power of community where you feel seen and safe enough to really process through that stuff. And you feel loved and heard and safe. Then you can start providing that to others through the presence. And then they might not trust you at first, but you can start holding that space and getting them to dive deeper and allowing them to release. And I think that is really the ripples that we're seeing. It's the power of presence.
2: Absolutely. And and shame, I, I believe it was Brene Brown, says something to the effect of shame cannot live in the shadow. It cannot I'm sorry, shame cannot shame can only live in the shadow. Mm. So and it only lives in silence. And when you speak shame and you you tell your story of your darkest secret, you know, that frees you because mm. now now somebody knows, you know, somebody that you trust knows and you know going back to you had asked do you believe or do you think that everybody needs to do psychedelics to really change the world i had an experience in ayahuasca back in january at, at sultara where i was shown or I, I was told in the medicine that you can't make people come do this you can't force people to come Ayahuasca. The majority of people are going to say no way.
1: It takes a really special kind of warrior, really, yes, to show up and do that type of Absolutely. work. It is not for the faint of heart.
2: Not, not at all. And so the message was: if you can't make people come do this, then take it to the people. Mm. And I didn't take that as literal. You know, going back to the message, the messages that we receive there, they're not always literal. But I took it to mean that. This felt experience of knowing that we are all connected and of knowing that we're all in this safe container called the Maloka, where we're all purging and crying and laughing and feeling each other's experiences all at the same time, how do we take that to the people? And what that is is love. Mm. And so I decided to start a business. She actually I when I say she, ayahuasca. <laughs> Um, gave me this idea to start this business called love to the people and to mm. take what, again, whatever that looks like to the people.
1: That's beautiful. That's really what we're all trying to do is come back together. And it is this energy of love, right? And until you can show up and love yourself fully, you can only love another to the extent and love you, that you love yourself. And I think that's why it's such an internal journey to really fully love yourself, fill your cup up. So then you can start sharing that love with the world. And it's funny, let's circle back to the religious upbringing because I want to dive into that. I, it's found it fascinating when you said, you know, it wasn't a literal message from ayahuasca. I think it's funny because what came to me is even the messages in the Bible, like the problem is some people take it literally. And all, all of this stuff, all spiritual texts, philosophies, a lot of them are talking in metaphors and symbolism, and it's not meant to take literal. Like real powerful spiritual teachings have so many deep layers to them, and you have to be open to the magic of that. So let's talk about... And then, you know, the, the idea of Jesus too, right? Because th- what Jesus is really teaching and embodying is that loving presence. And I think as a way shower and as an enlightened, realized being, there's so much we can learn from him. And it's so funny because we circle him back to like right, my Christian upbringing and I'd love to get kind of your story around this as well. But, you know, growing up and I talked about having that resistance to to church, to Jesus, to God to the Bible, but I had this deep desire to know. And so I read all these different spiritual texts, you know, I, I started you know, working with psychedelics and plant medicine and started opening up in a lot of profound ways and stuff started making sense to me. This idea of oneness, I, I really got into Buddhism and meditation, which first kind of started open me, opened me up to like those different energies and, and really releasing and non attaching to the stories that I grew up with. But I still had so much resistance to the idea of Jesus and the word God. That's why I like using the word universe. I know people that listen to this podcast, I say universe a lot. Before, I, I used to say universe because I had so much resistance to the idea and word of God. It would literally, like viscerally, I'd feel it in my body. And it wasn't until I got to a point in, on this healing journey when I really wanted to reconnect with my dad. And one of the only things we ever really talk about is, you know, his faith and Christianity and. Jesus And is usually around the idea of like, I'm a lost soul and he's trying to save me, but it was a way we could connect. And so going on my own path and learning all this stuff and having a deep, profound experience of God through my own experience and it turning into a knowing, not, no longer belief system, it's unshakable. But in order to connect with my dad and, and, and really start bringing these concepts of what I was learning and realizing into terminology that he could relate to it kind of forced me and I'm so grateful for this because it kind of forced me back into, okay, I need to start reading the Bible. I need to start learning about Jesus and I need to move through this so I can understand. And that was like the last kind of hurdle to get back into that because I had so much resistance and I read a few different books. uh, One of them being uh, Resurrecting Jesus by Adi Ashanti. And it was just such a profound, a story of who Jesus was as a mystic, as a teacher, what he was really trying to teach without all the like dogma around what he's teaching. And I'm so grateful that to reconnect with my dad, I kind of dove back in and I started realizing, wow, Jesus is some someone really special. Whether it's like literal truth, whether he actually lived or not, like he talks about in that book, it, that does that's kind of irrelevant because he is in our collective psyche, our energy. Obviously like 40% of the world is Christian. So he's, very much in our collective consciousness. And that's the important part. And if you look at the story of who he is, he's really teaching loving presence. And that's how I believe he healed people. All these like spontaneous healings, they talk about in the Bible. I truly believe he was just healing people with his love, with his presence. And people believed so much that, they, that he would heal them, that they would spontaneously heal themselves. And so it's been really beautiful to kind of dive back in there and have my own understanding of God and moving through that resistance so that I could reconnect with my father. That journey still continues, but let's kind of dive into your story. And I know you've had some resistance going on this path, which I'm sure this will resonate with a lot of people. I know a lot of our friends too, that grow up in a, in a religious family. I know I've talked with a couple of my friends that are Mormon as well. And it's really, it was really tough for me to to break off from that belief system. And, And it was I never really held on to it, but I never really told my dad that I had given that. And it was, I'll never forget the moment I had, I was having a phone call with him and he directly asked me like, Joe, you're telling me that you don't believe that Jesus died for your sins is the only way to heaven. And like, I felt all this physical, like heaviness in my body. And I just, I knew in my bones that that was not true. And so I said, no, and it just felt it all release. And I know it's hard for a lot of people to kind of let go of that, to go on their own path. And when they do, it's almost like a cult, right? Like when you leave a cult, like people start looking at you like you're lost, you need to be saved, you're you're on the wrong path. So talk about your experience with that with your parents and how you've kind of navigated it. And we can kind of discuss maybe some tools and stuff for maybe people that might be experiencing the same thing.
2: I feel very blessed that my parents have always encouraged me to... Dance to the beat of my own drum. And my dad always said to me from a very young age, always lead, never follow. Always be a leader, never follow. Unless, of course, you want to follow, you know, unless that re- really resonates with you, whatever it is you're following.
1: The whole point is just make sure you're you're doing what you want to do and not yeah. because someone else tells you. Yeah. yeah,
2: make a sovereign choice for yourself. Mm-hmm. And so growing up, you know, I went through my goth phase there's some uh you could argue that I'm not out of that phase quite (laughs) quite yet um
1: you can take you can't you take the goth out of the girl you can't take the girl out of the goth. yeah there you go
2: (laughs) exactly another piece of that is they always allowed me to make my own kind of moral choices growing up I was allowed to watch a lot of sci-fi because my dad liked sci-fi but I couldn't watch anything horror or anything with too much sex or whatever and as I grew up as I was you know, make starting to make my own choices. If they came downstairs and I was watching something that they didn't think was appropriate, they would ask me to reason with them why I thought it was appropriate. And I, I, you know, speak to all of that because fast forward to present day, my mom doesn't necessarily agree with all of my choices. I'm very honest and open with her about my use of plant medicine. And she knows the journey that I'm on but we've kept a very open dialogue and kind of like what you said i've i've learned to adjust my you know terminology so that it fits more her narrative when we're speaking and that's really because i respect her and i know that she's not going to necessarily understand what i say what i mean when i say in resonance or mm. you know any of the the lingo that we use in the spiritual community and so I really try to speak to her about it as if I am speaking from the Christian lens still.
1: Mm. Do you have resistance to that? I know I, I just, I say that because I used to have so much resistance to like using the word Holy spirit and God. Cause I knew what he, what it was, the box that it was in when he was talking to my dad, but I've gotten to a place where I'm able to, there's still a little bit that comes up every now and then, but I've gotten to a place where it's a lot easier for me to interchange that because I think it is all pointing to the same thing. Right?
2: Absolutely. If If we look at the Bible, as more mythical than literal then it doesn't really matter it's just like you know in the spiritual community you said you like to use universe but it could be it's kind of interchangeable right people say source they say universe god spirit spirit
1: mm.
2: it's all the same mm. and I, th- I yeah i think it's um i don't know it just feels like i am loving her better when i speak to her on her terms and using her language because mm. she may not agree, but she can understand and I'm not keeping it as this kind of elevated concept that she can't
1: get. Yeah. You know, bring I'm it down like, to their level so it. they can digest it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I'm trying. I'm trying to to bring that, you know, it, the difference, because as I talked about, like diving into the story of Jesus and totally resonating with who he was and the teachings that he was actually teaching you know and trying to make it like bring up that the only difference between their belief and my belief is the belief the belief that they have is getting in the way and not being able to let go of that belief to understand that it's it's all okay like they have to attach to that belief but we're talking about the same thing like i'm like if jesus walked in that room like we love but they're attached to the belief that they need to believe that jesus died for your sins and i had a really amazing Um, conversation with my dad at one point and I got to a point where I was, I was talking like, you know, I, I was using the terminology. I was like, I believe like, first of all, I'm really happy. I'm super, like, I just am in such a good place. I have inner peace, joy, and they can see that. And so it's hard to argue with the energy that you're carrying when you're, when you're doing this work and letting go and healing. And then, you know, feeling called to be of service, you know, I would like, I started painting the picture of like, it's, it's like the, the Holy spirit is working through me. There's times when I feel like, you know, we talk about channeling and intuitive and connected. I feel like there's times when God is working through me and a lot of Christians say, Oh, it's the Holy spirit is working through you. And yeah, that's what you want to use. It's the Holy spirit. It is God working through me in times that I can't even explain to you how it happens. Like conversations that have synchronicities, I have the words that come out of my mouth in the right time, the the things that I'm being called to create through my business and community, it all feels so much bigger than me. And a lot of times it's pushing me towards the things that I fear the most. And it's my job to move those fears out of the way so that what wants to come through me, works through me. But having this conversation with my dad that, you know, I my beliefs don't require me to believe that. But I'm still connected to God. The Holy Spirit is working through me. So how do you explain that? and it's the you know i think it comes down to that the fear of death is such a big kind of point even if it's unconscious i think you know the religious systems use the fear of death because it's all, it's all around like when i die am i going to go to eternity in heaven or eternity in hell and it almost like absolves all responsibility of living this life on this planet in this time absolves your responsibility of doing anything with that and this is the real gift like this is the gift from god is for us to have a physical experience not something happen when we die i mean there there is no real future we can get all metaphysical with that but i think that was really cool me, me getting to a place where i could like talk and say the holy spirit was working through me because i used to have so much resistance to even thinking that but like really connecting with him and i remember saying that to my dad and he was just like sitting there like he didn't really know what to say but I could I could feel his soul like was resonating with that it's like oh my gosh like maybe you don't need to believe this thing but it's just so hard right and you can't expect I've also come to a place of compassion for people that are so attached to their beliefs because to question such a foundational piece of your reality to like expect people to just let that go like their whole existence will just kind of crumble and then there would be a lot left like really trying to pick up the pieces and not knowing so Having a compassion and loving people in Holy Space where they're at has been where I've gotten to on the journey, which has been quite a path to get to, but I think that's a big lesson as well.
0: And
2: I think what you're speaking to has so much to do with what's going on in the collective right now. When you were talking about um, the fear of death, what came up for me is that quote in The Matrix where Morpheus is talking to Neo about how when you have escaped the matrix and you're fighting for the people that are still in the matrix. They will actually turn on you because it is terrifying to finally accept and believe that the system you're a part of, whether it's a financial system, political system, or a religious system, or any number of systems that we've built as human beings, it's terrifying to think that those things are not real or that they're not built on truth, that they're built on lies and fear and, you know, destruction, essentially. And so I imagine that with, like with your dad and your parents and um, probably any number of people we could think of, they oftentimes will fight to protect that thing that is keeping them stuck.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating They get, and this is one thing I used to have conversations with them. They get, they get really defensive when you're not even really trying to argue with them. And then all of a sudden their energy gets in that defensive mode. And then all of a sudden I find myself feeling defensive because I'm def- but like, I didn't really, oh, I'm not arguing with them, but when you start, when they, when they, when it starts opening their minds just a little bit, they have to defend their beliefs and that energy comes. And I noticed that when it gets to that point energetically with my dad, I get to a point where like, okay, we're, this conversation is going to start turning into an argument or we're kind of defending each other and that's not going to get anywhere because we can't hear each other. And when I feel that energy now, I'm like connected enough to be like, Hey, I feel like this is getting a little bit much. Like, let's just table it. I love you. We can talk about it and pick it up another time. And he's like, okay, I love you. And that's really where it comes into proper boundaries. Right. And I think it's really beautiful. The journey to get to that point where I can really love my dad and respect where he's at and believe not try to change his mind. Right. I think that's a big, a big step on this journey. When you start doing the healing work, I think a lot of people, you know, and it's. You know, it's just natural that when you start doing this healing work and start waking up to all of these magical experiences and realizing that you are the creator of your reality, it's natural that all the people you love, you want them to come on the journey with you. And it's a real step forward to realize that you, you know, this, you can't be the savior. You have to love people where they're at because trying to save people actually creates a lot more division and tension anyway.
2: Absolutely. And that makes me think of that verse and, you know, many verses in the Bible where, you know, where that, that, bible school song go tell it on the mountain right like any of the number Do you of, want to sing it for us go tell it on the mountain no, oh that's it
1: that's <laughs> all you can <laughs> nice. look at you you're stepping into I know, it. No. Uh, being brave i love it
2: it reminds me of like that's the part of the truth of the bible right like when you do have this freedom in your path and when you've broken out of the matrix you know so to speak it you want to tell everyone you want to take them with you. That's exactly right. And you almost can't not, right? Mm. And that's 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 the beauty of the Bible that I'm rediscovering is that there is so much truth to the Bible. It's just through the wrong lens. Mm. We're looking at it through the, the wrong lens. I had an Akashic records reading. And for those who may not know what that is, it's it's hard to explain, but essentially there's this universal quantum library of everything that has ever happened and will ever happened across all of time. And there are people that can read what are in these library, this library. And I asked my Akashic records reading or woman, what we were talking about my dad, because I was doing a lot of work around my dad last year. And she said, you are here to teach your dad compassion. And he is here to teach you how to meet people where they are. Mm. And I think that is the lesson in all of this is when we meet people where they are, then they feel free. And um, that actually makes me think of another quote I heard recently, which is, love someone so much that they know that they are free.
1: I love that. And that comes back to the power of presence, right? And like understanding that every path, every story, every experience that we're living is valid. I mean, we live in an infinite potential field of reality. And all people really want to be is, is heard and seen in their story that they're living, right? Like the person that's maybe shooting up meth on the street, homeless, looks all ruggedy. Like that's the story that they're deciding to live or they're been through circumstance put into the experience of living and like honoring them and, and loving them and seeing them. Like if you went up to a homeless person and just like sat there and listened to their story, that would be so healing for them because most people don't give them the space. and all everybody wants to be. And there's, you know, so many people get in this righteous point of view when it's like, oh, I know because I've gone on this journey. It's like, that's still a path away from now because the only thing that really matters is being present in this experience as it's unfolding. Everything else is just a story. And a lot of the times the paths are leading you away from what you're actually wanting to experience, which is presence. But you have to, it's the paradox of having to go on the path to realize that. And one of my favorite quotes, Dr. Mike actually told me this, and I don't know where he got it from, but the thing that you're looking for is where you're looking from. Mm -hmm. We are all seeking God, but we are the aspect of God, divine, the universe, which is seeking itself. Mm -hmm. And I just love that so much.
2: makes me think of, you know, we've rejected our own humanity. Simply in rejecting the humanity of others, and so that goes back to that quote: "It's like we're rejecting God." Mm-hmm. You know, we we so much seek, and I know many people believe, but they continue to reject these parts of themselves that they don't want to look at, and in mm-hmm. doing so, they're re- rejecting God.
1: Mm-hmm. We talk about freedom. I want to get your idea of what freedom is because I'm writing my book right now and I'm actually thinking about taking a pause for a few months because it's just proven to be such a daunting task. And I think it's because the title of the book is called finding freedom. And when I first originally thought of that title, I thought it was a cool play on words. Cause my dog's name's freedom. I found her, we went on this trip and freedom from football, but that was a year and a half ago. And you know, I've written a lot of the book, but I haven't figured out how it all kind of fits together. And I think it's cause I'm still in process, right? My journey is still unfolding And it's fascinating over the last year, the title Finding Freedom and reaching different and more deeper and profound levels of freedom, even since when I first started reading the book. And I think it's fascinating that one of the biggest kind of ideals of this country, of the United States is our freedom. Like we don't want people to take our freedom away, but so many people have a false idea of what freedom actually is. So in your perspective, how would you define freedom?
2: I will answer that question by telling a story. (laughs) Yes. So about a month ago now, I did a full day immersion with um, Combo, which is a Amazonian uh, tree frog medicine, essentially is an immune system booster and it clears out kind of energetic blocks in your system. You purge on it. And then followed, that was followed by Bufo or 5-MeO-DMT. And then at the end of the day, we closed it out with a, a six gram psilocybin ceremony.
1: That is intense.
2: It was quite intense. Please,
1: please review all of the safety yes, and liability contracts before you go into that journey.
2: <laughs> yes, don't do it. Al- definitely don't do it by yourself. Between the 5 MEO and the mushroom ceremony, I was laying on the floor of this beautiful home and someone asked me, Are, are you okay? I was just staring at the ceiling. And I truly felt like for the first time I had reached samadhi, which is the highest form of enlightenment. And, you know, people meditate for years and years and years nonstop and never reach that state. And of course, I I had help, right? I had these medicines to help mm. me. And I felt absolutely no desire for anything but i also felt no lack of anything i had no thought and no emotion but i was not sad or anything negative i was just in this state of pure presence mm. where i was alert to everything around me i was engaging but also had no attachment to people giving me attention or the food that was being cooked or you know whatever and so to answer your question, what is freedom? I believe that freedom is a detachment and a shedding of the stories that we tell ourselves about who we are, the things that we need in our lives, the way that we expect or want people to treat us. Obviously, there's boundaries to be set there. But not, you know, they say, what it what's the quote? Something about all disappointment is born from expectation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So just coming to this place where you're not, you're neither reaching for anything or um, clinging to anything. It's just that place of pure presence being exactly okay where you are in any given moment and being at peace. Cause that's really what I felt when I, when, when I was in that state, which, you know, didn't last more than a few days, (laughs) but I just felt pure peace.
1: Yeah. And I've had those experiences on, on plant medicines and psychedelic journeys as well. Um, and I have had those experiences without it as well. Like on the road, I've, I've 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 experienced such deep feelings of of presence, really, and love, and just washing away and feeling so connected. You know, like being in the Grand Tetons, look overlooking this cliff, the sun is setting, and there's just this water and mountain range, and just maybe a little bit of cannabis too. But just Doesn't like hurt. feeling, yeah, just feeling like so present. And you know, so my question is. Like, how do we get to those states more regularly? Is it possible to live in this, you know, especially this first world country, the United States that we've created with so much consumer culture? And it's even even on this journey, like how much we're bombarded with, you know, these these, these marketing and these this feeling of you're lacking this, so you need to buy this. And it's just always constant. It takes a lot of practice to continue to show up and be present is it possible to reset state and like live there forever or is it just a constant coming back and unfolding?
2: I think it's definitely a, I mean, I don't think it's something that we can live in all the time. I think that some people could or can, but I think that that's where we see the kind of the stereotypical picture of like the monk in Mm. solitude up on the mountaintop, you know, just sitting there meditating in a cave Mm. So, I think in our modern world, I don't know that it's possible to reach that state or stay in that state all the time. But I do think that there are ways we can practice and continue to bring ourselves back to that pure presence as often as possible. One of the practices that I have really been working with lately is when I am speaking with someone, particularly if I'm in a crowd and I'm talking one on one, is actually squaring up to them and looking them in the eye and not wavering. Like doing everything I can not to turn my eyes away from them. Actually, you were talking um, a moment ago, too, about the homeless population and asking stories. And I forget who said this, but um, I heard someone say that one of the worst parts about being homeless is that nobody looks you in the eye.
0: Mm, Nope.
2: It's not the, you know, that you're living on the street, it's that nobody looks you in the eye. And um, that just breaks my heart to think about that. So when I'm with people, I mean, and it's difficult, right? When you're in a crowd of people and there's all this commotion around you, it's really hard to just stay focused on that one person. But I find that it, it really, um, hits people in kind of a different way when, when you do that.
1: Yeah, totally. It's an energy to it, right? Even if you're looking at somebody, but your mind's thinking about something else, like, Oh, you can tell. I can tell. And me, you know, I, I, I try my best to be as present as possible. I think it's one of my, one of my gifts and it takes a lot of work to get to that. Point, but I even notice if someone's, if I'm talking to somebody and I'm like present with them and I'm listening to them and then I start sharing and their energy is just not there, they're like thinking about something, their eyes are twitchy, they're looking around. Like I'll just stop talking because like I might, I don't, I don't want to just share to a wall. Like I thought we were having a conversation. I think that's the beautiful thing about community of people that are really present. I think that's one thing I noticed with Fit for Service is you walk into one of those summits and it's like pick up a conversation with somebody you never even met before and they're just so present. And the energy there is just so expansive because everybody's just really present and caring and like loving. And it's just like the energy of it is so visceral. It's beautiful. Ineffable. Ineffable. You know, and always, you know, living, living on a, on a, on a mountain as a monk is always an option. I think, you know, I've actually entertained that. It's like, do I want to go do that? And I've, I've felt called like, how do I deepen my practice? Do I go be, practice being a monk for a couple of years and go do the eight hours of meditation a day? And I think that's still a path that is leading us away from what we're actually looking for, which is presence, right? And I think the trick is there's this beautiful, and this is why I think shifting the narrative and perspective for me, what works is treating this like a game. And like being in the game, playing the game to the fullest extent, and enjoying the game, like all the toys and everything, but not being attached to them. Like I don't put my value in the things that I have, but I definitely enjoy them. And if I lose them, I'm not going to feel you know, it might be disappointed. Like someone could steal my Jeep. It's like, oh, but I literally can tell you that like, I'll move on. Like, it's not, it's not going to really like make me create a story of like, ah. Oh, 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 like I'm not attached. And there is things, I mean, that's, it's easy to say that and there's some stuff, you know, but I think it's living in the world and experiencing the world without attachment is definitely, definitely the goal.
2: I mean, I think that that's, there's been so many research studies done on, developing countries and the people in those countries and they very often, in fact I think almost always score higher than Americans on the happiness scale.
1: 100 percent.
2: And I had a recently I was having a discussion with a friend and I realized how much loss I've experienced in my life and how much letting go I've had to do. Mm. And you know any anything material that we are attached to, it's a first chakra or root chakra issue. And you cannot ascend up those chakras unless you've dealt with that. And so it's not to say we can't play. It's just not being attached to it, like you said.
1: Mm-hmm. I love it. Let's talk about the purpose of life. I'd love to get your perspective on, you know, we talked a lot today about a lot of different things about the journey, the healing journey, different, different experiences and I just want to kind of get your perspective on what's what's the whole point? Like, why why are we here? Why do we even have this opportunity to kind of transcend suffering through the work and all the experiences and the lessons and the heartache and the heartbreak and the joy and all of the wide breadth of experience that we have? Like, why are we here?
2: I feel like I could talk another whole hour just about this question.
1: <laughs> Take your time.
2: I truly believe that each of us. And really everything on the planet is some facet of God that is seeking to experience itself. And I had a mentor tell me recently that when we are in alignment with our purpose, that the universe actually rewards us with more opportunity, more lessons, <laughs> and all of the things. Mm. because if we are in alignment with our purpose then that's that's our only job is to be in alignment with our purpose and our calling and to become our truest self so shedding those layers shedding that ego over and over and over again but the closer we get to that then it's like the universe is delighting in us that's been a word that's come up for me a lot lately is to delight and i think of someone in your life that is just like radically themselves that is so radically themselves that they might seem crazy or weird or they might dress funny or have weird hair and they just can i say can i curse on
1: this absolutely fine yeah. there you go i said it first
2: damn i mean damn it no
1: <laughs> sorry mom
2: sorry also sorry mom. my mom
1: doesn't watch my podcast anymore so it's okay <laughs>
2: But they just don't give a fuck. Like you've met someone like that, right? And those
1: are the funnest people they're to be the around. They're the people. Because their energy is so pure. Yes. And it's like, wow, I wish I could be myself that much. And, they're and not they give attached. you permission, right?
2: They give you permission. Absolutely. Mm. And I, whenever I'm in this place where I'm like, okay, I, like, I know this, there's this part of me. It's not really mine. It's a story I've been telling myself. I just imagine, and I have a couple people that I can picture, but I just imagine someone that is so radically themselves and how much it delights me. Mm. to witness them and then i think about how much i know it would delight someone else to witness me mm. being that same being at that same level of radical acceptance of myself mm. so i think that's all that's what we're here for it's to mm. experience life and that i mean really that's something else we could talk about when we get caught in these ruts or we're doing the same thing over and over and over then we're not really living our purpose because we're not We're not shaking it up. And that's when typically the universe comes in to shake it up for us
0: Mm -hmm.
2: because we're not, we're here to experience all of life and all these different facets of life from our own lens and our own perspective. So, when, you know, I think about this a lot in medicine journeys, like if I'm doing psilocybin and I'm, you know, my MO is typically just to like be mush and just lay there. But what if I paint it next time? Or what if I went into the forest and explored or what, you know, create some adventure Mm -hmm. and play.
1: I love adventure. I like to thrive in adventure. I need to constantly shift it up. I mean, me and Sarah uh, through the latter part of the pregnancy, we've obviously been really grounded for like the last five or six months. And both me and her love traveling. And it's because of just the creativity and the constant, like the spontaneity and and just constantly changing things up and shifting. This is like livens me up, makes me, and I felt such a stagnant energy being here for so long. And luckily we're, we got our new rig and we're hitting the road again in a few weeks. And I'm really excited about that because I know cause I've, I've tasted it that there is so much beauty in this life to experience and it's not meant to be sitting behind a desk all day in a routine and yeah, I'm playing a game where I'm creating a business and there's a lot of work that needs to be done and I show up and enjoy that. And when it's not becoming enjoyable, I make sure to have a conscious awareness of that and take some time and not put that pressure on myself and it's a constant dance, but knowing that I can't just do that without enjoying life to the fullest. And for me, that's, you know, getting, hitting a road trip, going out in nature. And I think it's so fascinating, like the connection that nature provides, you know, me, and I'm sure you feel this too, but I feel like every time I go on a hike or something, I'm like, man, that felt so good. Like I needed to do that more often. And it's not until next time I get out there, I'm like, oh man, I feel so good. I need it more often, but I just don't do it as much as I should. Because being out in nature is just, you feel so connected to whatever's around you. And it just, it feels feels so good, like energetically.
2: You've heard of Japanese forest bathing? I have. So they've proven that there are, there's something that happens when we are out in nature. Some chemical or something that's put off by the vegetation in the land that is really good for us. Mm. And, um, you're right. I mean, nature can, it's such a healer. And then ad- going back to adventure, I like when I like, when I travel, I like to play a little game where I'll go to one place, like a restaurant or something, coffee shop. And I'll ask the person behind the counter, where's your favorite place to go for lunch or for dinner or whatever. And I have ended up in some of the weirdest situations and they have been so fun.
1: That's so like, cool. When
2: I was, when I was married We were in Santa Fe. We actually got engaged down there and we had gone out to dinner and then we went to this little like punk rock bar, um, going back to my goth, uh, still
1: there,
0: (laughs) still there. I love it.
2: (laughs) So we went to this little punk rock bar and we asked the bartender like, Hey, can we go, where's a place to go dancing? We really wanted to go dancing. And she goes, well, I don't think there's really any nightclubs, but there is a train car on the train tracks that I think has a pop-up nightclub every now and then. I think there's one tonight. And we ended up on this four car train abandoned train car. (laughs) <laughs> with like one car was the bar, like a little, you know, college level type pop-up bar yeah. with like paper cups and the pores weren't measured or anything. I love it. And then like the observation car and then the dancing car. And it was so fun. And I've ended up in some of the most bizarre places because I play that game just to go on an adventure.
1: I want to try that. It's so that fun. sounds incredible. I report back. And I love it, right? That's why I love being on the road too, is there's this energy of openness to the experiences like when you're in a new place, you're, you're just more open to not knowing you don't have a routine. So you're just like, Oh, and that energy is open. So people come up to you. Like what I've noticed when I was traveling in the van, it's like, I go to even a grocery store and it's the first time I'm in this grocery store and I'm kind of walking around, like I'll have more conversations with people just because my energy is more open. I'm slowing down, but I've found that when I'm in, you know, I've been in Austin and I, I start getting a routine and I go to the same places every day and do this thing. Like I'm not as open. Like I'll pass right by people. Cause I have something to do and I got to go do this. And I think that sense of adventure is, is so healing. It opens you up to the synchronicities of life where you get to experience stuff that you might not ever have imagined. I know some of my best friends. Now the people I've met have been on the road and even the journey of the road and, you know, introducing me to this community and meeting you and and so many people is just because I've been open to that, that experience. And it's really quite beautiful and profound. Um, Final question. Hit which me. we could talk about this for an hour too um but i want to get your perspective on and i ask everybody this what do you think happens when we die the big mystery
2: i think about this question a lot and part of me believes that we cross back over the threshold that we came through when we got here and we enter some sort of spirit realm where there are other, you know, spirits that have also left the earth. But then part of me also thinks that we in some way kind of dissolve back into the oneness that is God
0: mm.
2: and that we no longer have kind of our own individual personalities that we just become part of the whole until we incarnate again. And then when we incarnate, we're a different personality. We're a totally different person.
1: Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's the, the 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 thing. I know for a fact there is something that happens because I used to entertain the idea when I was younger. It's like what happens when I die? Like I don't know what happened before I lived. Like was it just blackness? And then when I die, is it just blackness? But then even the blackness, there would be an observer of the blackness, so that wouldn't even really make sense. But that's what I used to sit with, and it was really frightening. Like if I die, it's just. And then that kind of made me attached to the idea of like I want to go to heaven. I don't want it to be just dark. Like I want to have something that happens. But the big question for me is, I know there's an energy, it's all energy. There's an energy that, that energy doesn't just die. So it goes and it transmutes into something else. But do we still have a sense of identity or personality, like as a spirit in another kind of realm where we, like me and you, let's say some nuke went off and we all just perished. Like, would we both be like, oh, now our spirits, what's up? Or is it this like dissolving into oneness? And I mean, it's like so ineffable to even think about because I know like through experiences like 5-MeO-DMT where you like leave your body and you go back up to oneness, but I, I haven't really been able to bring back what that experience is like. I just know that something happened, right? It's like, is it is it merging into oneness or is there like levels of it into oneness or is it the same thing? Like, are we just oneness right now, just having separate experiences? Yes. It's, yeah, like <laughs> yes, both and. Both and. <laughs> That's the paradox we live in. It's, it's it's not so binary, right? It's not yes or no. It's not black or white. And I think that's the cool thing what I've been entertaining is, you know, things can both be true. They can be false, but they can both be true and false and they can be neither true <laughs> and false. So when you go from those two choices to those four choices, it goes from two choices binary into infinite possibilities because that opens up everything. And I think within the paradox that we live in, Infinite potential, all of it is true. And I mean, it's fascinating too. Like, why do we, like, why do we forget? And why does
2: that part of it? Yeah. I mean, when you study near death experiences, oftentimes people will see those that they recognize as having been deceased. So they'll see, you know, grandparents, you know, whatever, friends, and they come back having seen their faces on the other side. So I have to think that there's, some step in between if yeah. we do dissolve back into oneness, maybe there's multiple steps, but I have to think that there's one, at least one step where we like get to hang out
1: and like, yeah, I mean, it could be hearty. infinite layers. Right. And it all is encompassing in the oneness. Cause I do remember when I did the five MBO experience, I like, I do believe I went all the way back into oneness. And as I was coming kind of back into my body, there was a point when I, I felt like I was like in this astral plane where the it was in the room. I was in, and, but I was laying down with a cover over my head, so I couldn't have actually been seeing people. But the facilitators that were there, they were like walking around in their ethereal bodies, and they looked the same. But they were like this this angel energy. And I'll never forget that Celeste was was standing there over me, and she was just like the was like welcoming me back home. And it, it, I felt like I was in that just that angel realm. I was like, oh my god, it felt like that. Like this is what heaven is. Like it's, it was so beautiful, and they're just like so loving, and but they're they they were not in physical bodies but they were still like the same outline and everything.
2: There's something about that medicine that, I mean, I did it um, a few months back where I could feel not only the facilitators in the room, there were two of them, but it, I could feel the spirits of everybody that was in the house as well, which was like 20 people Mm. and nobody that nobody else in the house was there with me. It was just those two. But there's something about that where the present you can feel people's presence and like their attention and their energy. And it is this very angelic realm, but they're not, yeah, they're not that they're not them, but they are them.
1: Mm. Yeah. And I like the concept of like, why would we choose to live in this physical world with so much suffering? And you know, that whole idea. And I, I love the concept that in that ethereal realm, there's, there's, I mean, it's just kind of, it would be kind of boring. Like, yeah, it'd be great, like loving and like connected and we just get Mm -hmm. to hang out. But like, that for eternity, it's like, oh, like I want to go have an experience.
2: Yeah. Have you listened to um, the Alan Watts meditation? There was a song written about it and I can't remember the name of the artist, but the song is called Dream.
1: Mm. Can and you please send that to me? And if you have the link, maybe we could put it in the show notes for yeah. everybody to listen to. You. That'd be great.
2: It's it's all about that. It's about how, you know, if you could dream a dream every night for infinity, eventually, you know, it would start out like, oh, I'm going to buy all the cool cars. I'm going to have all the sex. I'm going to do all the, the drugs. And I'm going to party my face off for 70 plus years of my life. And then you dream the next night, it's another 70 years of your life. And you, you would start to mix it up. You know, you'd throw in a little challenge, something that you weren't expecting. And then he says, and at the end of it all, you would eventually come to the life that you're living right now.
1: Mm, I just started vibrating. Like that resonates so hard, right? Because we can't comprehend infinity or eternity. It's, it's. it's incomprehensible. And so in in an infinite experience, of course we're going to choose to change it up constantly and have a wide breadth of experiences. Adventure. Adventure. Right. And I think, you know, that's one thing that working with the psychedelics and, and, and especially the five MEO DMT of like transcending and leaving the body. That's the biggest kind of form of people talk about ego deaths. Like every other psychedelic I've done is, I feel like there's been a piece of me that's been in that experience, right? And that's the only one that's like, I completely dissolved. Like I was, my ego and the energy of who I was, I left my body completely. So I know that when I die, there's an experience after. And like, you know, I'm not not saying there's not going to be a fear around how I die and what that experience is going to be like. There's going to be something that comes up, I'm sure. But the trust and the knowing that there is some kind of experience after, it just... And then understanding infinity, it just takes away all the pressure. like and then even looking at someone else like we talked about earlier in the podcast, like if someone is where they're at on their journey, like there's no rush. Take your time. Like you don't need to get anywhere. Like this is the experience that you chose to have. You have infinity to go. Who am I to say <laughs> any different? And it just makes life so much more enjoyable, right? Because yeah. there's no rush for any of it. Just take our time and enjoy the now.
2: Yeah. You have infinity to go. I like that. <laughs> yeah. No pressure. It's a little daunting,
1: but <laughs> well yeah. And then the other side of that is like, holy shit, that's overwhelming. I always like... say
2: like, I'm okay with that, but can I just skip junior high? <laughs> That'd be great. If I could just skip six to ninth grade. I was really
1: deep into the goth phase in junior high. You were? No. Oh, yeah. No. I'm. That's where it all began.
2: That's where it all began. and
1: We're still working through it. I'm
2: sure everyone can figure out exactly why.
1: I know. Yeah. (laughs) I think I had a little bit of that goth phase, too. I think that is where it starts for everyone. Really questioning everything. Just
2: feeling angry. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I love it. Any final words for anybody? Any last words of wisdom?
2: I will share that. I think two of the most important foundational principles that anyone can cultivate right now is or are curiosity and compassion. And especially when you put those two together, I mean, I think it's a a force, Mm -hmm. but especially in the world that we are living in right now, remaining curious, not only about yourself, but about the world around you and whatever it is that you've chosen to believe in, whatever stories you're telling yourself, whatever labels or stories you assign to other people, staying curious about them, I think is going to be the remedy, one one of the remedies for how we heal the world. And then the second part of that being compassion, which you and I have talked about this, but that was Jesus's message from start to finish. And when he was dying on the cross, his last words were, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And it was the ultimate compassion, and so, just finding that for people when and how you can, and it's not always going to be perfect, and you're not always going to get it right, and that's okay too. That's where you have compassion for yourself.
1: Aho, yeah, and thank you to Jesus. Shout out, big guy. Thank you for showing <laughs> us the way. Oh, like I just that, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do, and. The moment of complete, like embodying everything that you could possibly experience as far as suffering, like betrayed and physical pain, and just that act of forgiveness, like I, I feel that in my body, Mm -hmm. and I think that experience of what Jesus was really teaching and the lessons that He provided, like focusing on those truths is really what matters, and the curiosity thing, continuing to question everything, not attaching to anything. Right. Even if you think you figured it out,
2: mm-hmm. get
1: curious about why so you think it Life's that you a lot
2: out. more fun when we stay
0: curious.
1: <sighs> yes. Thank you so much for your time, Thank Sarah. Thank you. Beautiful conversation. I really enjoyed it. Really grateful for you and the way you're showing up and just the love that you have. Thanks, Joe. Uh, um, <laughs> so grateful. I know you do some coaching and other things. Maybe share where people can find you, how they can work with you. Sure. Anything like that.
2: My website is uh, com, And then my Instagram handle is the same.
1: Awesome. Okay. If you want to reach out, that will all be in the show notes. Check out Sarah. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review. Rate it. It's going to help me continue to get bigger, better, more amazing guests. I don't think they're going to be a bit more amazing than you. <laughs> and share it with your friends. if you think this podcast... Could have an impact if it had an impact on your life and you believe that it might have an impact on someone else please share it that's really what the mission that i'm on is really to try and share this love and this message of curiosity compassion love and presence with with the world i think it's really what the world needs right now and so you can really help me and support me by doing that thank you so much sarah thank you everybody listened i love you all peace, peace. All right. Huge thank you to Sarah Howitt for coming on. Really beautiful. If you are watching on YouTube, I guess this won't be on YouTube. If you you listen to it, go check it out on YouTube. Uh, I'm going to start putting them live in the video recording on there. So if that's something you're interested in, kind of see my space. It's a little bit dirty at the moment, but I'm just trying to really evolve as a content creator and figure this out. There's a lot that goes into it. I'm learning But I'm continuing to evolve and I really appreciate everybody that is going on the journey with me. I hope my content is really providing value to you um, on your journey as well. Uh, If it is, please share this podcast, leave a review, rate it. And I would love to start hearing who you would like me to have on as a guest. If you want me to discuss the unanswerable questions of the universe with anybody in particular leave a review put their name in there let me know leave a you know rate the podcast share with your friends and like i said if you're interested in supporting the podcast on the premium feed got a lot of cool ideas coming out to you that are only available to podcast premium quantum coffee subscribers go check it out link in the show notes i love y'all till next time peace